From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. We're talking about football. We're talking about hockey. What are we? What's this game plan? We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. I'm ready. I don't know, man. We're just gonna see where it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, Tony Perenni. Tony, how have you been in these weeks leading up to the NFL season? I've been good. I've been uh, drafting for a couple leagues now, and uh, we did this one a couple weeks ago, and haven't really looked at the rosters too much since. You kind of told me, uh, hey, it's game week about a couple hours ago, and uh, we need to start doing podcasts, so I've been cramming over here. So I got a bunch of rosters in front of me, and uh, uh, let's let's see where this goes because uh, preparation on both our parts is not really uh, where it was at this point last year. Yeah, so you know, last year we were we were all in. We did you know episodes for the schedule release. We did episodes for the draft. We did episodes. You know, I think we did ten episodes leading up to the season and then the season. And this year it was just like, hey, we should we should do an episode. And, and we put out episode one about a month ago. And the idea was we were going to do weekly episodes until we got to the season. And then you know schedules kind of didn't match up and. You know, we're watching NHL playoffs, we're watching NBA playoffs, and it doesn't feel like football season, Tony. Like uh, normally, you know, you you wrap up these the winter sport championships in in June, and then you have this big, long delay where all you really have is baseball. And I'm outside of you know Charlie and Steve. Nobody gives a shit about baseball. So you get to a point where you're like really itching for sports. And then you start seeing training camps and preseason games, and it gets you really excited for football to come back. But this year, with no preseason games, with NHL and NBA still happening, it it just doesn't feel like football season. Not at all. And uh, I think a lot of that was I wasn't letting myself get too up about it for most of the year because I kind of had this feeling that it wasn't going to happen. I know we we did – did our podcast at the uh, ACT showdown. And I mentioned there that I thought they were going to be able to pull this off and play, but I probably wasn't really speaking uh, from my head at that point. It was more of my heart talking. I think uh, deep down, I really didn't expect them to get to this point and actually be in game week and be ready to play. And uh, here we are. So uh, hats off to the NFL for getting here. Um, I, I, I will see how things start going once people start traveling around and everything, but I think they're pretty hell bent on making this happen. There's a, a, a lot of players out there unemployed right now that they can call on if they need reinforcements. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, as we sat here a month ago, we were talking about baseball. And at that point, the news was actively breaking about the Marlins having, you know, a bunch of guys between players and staff that had come down with COVID and they were canceling some games. And, and as we sat there talking about that, you know, I think we, we both kind of talked that this may be the end of, of baseball this year. And, you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen, but they've pretty much marched on and, and kept going. So it makes you feel like NFL watched what happened in MLB. They learned from it. The players watched. They learned from it. And now we're ready to hit this NFL season. And, Tony, I don't think 
there's really much of anything that's going to stop the NFL season once it gets started. I, I can't imagine there, there's a scenario unless it becomes like an entire team. And I think even then they cancel some games for that team and the rest of the league keeps going as business as usual. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I think it's going to be really tough to to slow this league down because, uh, you know, everybody is on the same page when it comes to the NFL and they've they've this entire time had uh, the advantage of time on their side where all the other sports didn't. And they kind of got to sit back and watch what all the sports did. And uh, obviously the bubble scenario wasn't going to be something that they were going to be able to do, even though it's really worked flawlessly up to this point for the NHL and NBA. Um, but given where we were a month ago talking about uh, the state of baseball at that point, I'm really surprised we're here uh, a month later and we're still playing and they're, they're going to be talking playoffs here in a little bit and they're going to most likely get through their season. So I think that was definitely very promising. I think there's been a great deal of buy-in from the NFL players at this point, and they did a pretty good job working stuff into the contracts for this year, for this shortened season that, you know, if any of these players were doing or engaging in any activities that, uh, were risky or put, put them or the teammates at risk, then uh, they would be really putting their pay on the line. So a lot of guys aren't going to be willing to do that. Um, they want to play as much as anybody else. This isn't so much, uh, like like the NBA, where even the the worser players on the team make four or five million dollars a year, you know the the practice squad players, the guys at the end of the bench in the NFL are making a couple hundred thousand, uh, and if they don't play, they don't get paid at all. So they're not making anything. So uh, with the amount of players in this league, uh, it takes a lot of buy-in from everybody, and it seems like up to this point uh, they've done a pretty good job of doing that. So throws a big wrinkle into uh, fantasy strategy for this year. Well, we, we added injured reserve spots this year for the first time ever into our league uh, because there might be some COVID stuff coming up on a week-to-week basis that you might have to worry about. So it's been a big adjustment for our league here uh, in what used to be known as the Fortune 500 League, a uh, new name uh, to, be, to be announced on this show, Derek. Oh, yeah. You know what, Tony? Let's get into it. We have some breaking news and a lot of it. So first off, Tony, the league voted on a theme. And this is funny because we were pushing before the the episode one to get everybody to vote on a, a theme so that we could drop it on the podcast. And then I finished editing the podcast, posted it. I always listen to it, uh, you know, as it as it comes through Spotify, just to you know, make sure I didn't miss anything, what have you. And I got about halfway through and realized that we never actually dropped the theme on the podcast. <laughs> so, <Minor mistake. laughs> you know, you win some, you lose some. So uh, breaking news button, the theme for this year's fantasy football league is sitcoms. No particular genre, or uh, I would say no particular type of sitcom, no particular era of sitcom, but sitcoms in general. So with that, we had to come up with a new league name because the Fortune 500 League served us well for that for last year. But this year we needed a new one. And Tony and I brought our heads together and came up with, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb, Tony, and say this is the best league name we've come up with yet. 
I think that's uh, that's that's a really good point on your part. I thought, uh, trying to think back the past names, I don't think we've had any that was quite as witty and quite as strong as this one you're about to announce here. The league this year will be called Emmy Given Sunday League. So obviously, the Emmy is the the top prize for television. And the iconic movie, Any Given Sunday, we combine them together, the Any Given Sunday League. Love the wit, love the reference, let's get at it. Love it, and I hope you have a uh, an audience applause button that you can throw in there afterwards, because I, I think uh, that's what everybody at home listening is doing right now. They're just, it's going to be a standing ovation when they hear it. Listen, I don't even need an applause button because I know everybody in their car right now is is clapping. So they're hearing their own claps. They don't even need to hear ours. Uh, Emmy given Sunday league. Then we also needed division names, Tony. We needed division names because although sales and warehouse office references would still apply, that's not how we do things around here, Tony. We are always coming up with new ideas. But we wanted to stick with the office theme because the office doesn't get enough love around here. So if we recall from the office, the trivia episode where the group goes to a trivia night and plays trivia, you had three different teams. The A team, which nobody likes, so we kicked them right out. The B team and the team that wasn't supposed to do anything, the Just for Fun team, who got renamed the Einsteins and took the prize home. We are giving paying homage to that episode. The former sales division will become the B team, and the former warehouse division will become... The Einstein division. So still giving love to our office friends as we go through our divisions. Yeah, love it. And it was something we we felt like we really had to do because there was a really strong push, not only this year, but last year for the office to be a theme in itself. We kind of uh, felt like it was a little too narrow, but uh, wanted to. Uh, really throw something out there to the people in the league that were pushing really hard for it to uh, make sure their voice was heard and to, quite frankly, make sure that option goes away for next year so we don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> Tony is not a fan of The Office, has not watched it, uh, so you can get that's, that that's, coming through. That's, that's a little too strong. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> the episodes I've seen, I've really liked. I just, I've never devoted myself to sitting down and watching the whole thing, and probably will not because I'm not much of a binge watcher. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony, I am a binge watcher, and so actually as it, it, it the Office theme was a runner-up last year uh, for, for the theme when we ended up going Fortune 500, and I had a strong feeling that it was going to become the the theme this year. So that actually prompted me to watch the show, to really binge it start to finish. And you know I love to binge it, binge watch shows. And I, I really fell in love with it. Uh, I had always kind of struggled with the Michael Scott character because it was so cringy. And, and after a few episodes, I learned to really embrace that. And the cringiness is all part of the comedy. 
so I, I really started to enjoy The Office, and I watched the whole thing, and I've, I'm going back through a second time, and um, so I really enjoyed The Office. So I enjoyed coming up with the, the Einsteins and the B team as divisions there, and you'll probably hear some other Office Office references throughout this year with The Office being one of the major sitcoms from our generation. So we're going to have some really cool uh, cool team names that we're going to talk about here in the near future. But, Tony, I have another major piece of breaking news, and I'm not sure you're ready for it. Um, probably not, because I don't remember talking about anything outside of those division names and the uh, league names. So let's hear it. We didn't talk about it. And so for all of our listeners out there, you're hearing it the same time Tony hears it. But first, a story. This whole podcast came about because yours truly have has no hobbies. You know, I've been busy with, with school, with residency, with work, and that pretty much took up all my free time. So all of a sudden I found myself with all this free time on my hands, and I, I was like, I got to find something to do. I was real creepy. I would go around to people and be like, what do you do for hobbies? And they'd be like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And I'd be like, no, seriously, like I have no hobbies. And so I learned from a, a lot of people you know, different things they do, you know, making beer or wine. Um, a lot of people play sports, exercise, you know, all kinds of, of stuff like that. And none of that really sounded super interesting to me, namely the exercise piece. So I started researching like real weird Google searches of, you know, like what are hobbies for like 30 year old men? And I, can't, I came across <laughs> just the weirdest thing. <laughs> Like, I have to have been on an FBI watch list or something. Like, what the hell is he doing? Um, so I, I, I came across computer programming. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Let me, let me check it out. And so um, I started learning Python for anybody who's interested. And there's a bunch of free modules and stuff. And, and so I got – I did a few of those. And it was kind of cool. And I was like, man, this feels a lot like school. And I had started an MBA program. I hadn't finished it. And that was kind of like the prompt of like, yeah, go finish that MBA because this feels a lot like school and you're not going to have as much at the end of it. So I took all my free time, went and got a master's degree. That was fun. And then I graduated and fell, fell in the exact same position I was before. So I start Google searching again. What do 30-year-old men do for hobbies? And I came across podcasting. And uh, that was really the prompt of like, you know, what does it take to do a podcast? And really, for anybody who's interested out there, it's, it's really minimal. You need a microphone, which you can get fairly cheap on Amazon. I think mine was like 50 or 60 bucks. And there's no cost for a lot of the media platforms, you know, to get a podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify. That's all free. So your, your cost of entry is really low, which is why a lot of folks do podcasts. So I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I had some extra money from this like work program we have where you can get like Amazon gift cards and stuff. So that paid for my microphone and I, I recorded my first podcast. If you go back and listen to it, it's it's pretty terrible. I had to script it all out uh, and it was just me. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have a direction where it was going. Uh, we, nobody would probably listen to it. It probably would have been dead by now. And then real quick, Tony was like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll record this with you. Like this, this is something Tony and I have talked about for years that we should have a podcast because we have ridiculous conversations and we talk a lot of football and, and we find them interesting, figured other people would too. So it seemed like a pretty good match to have Tony as co-host. But uh, 
You know, Tony never got the full credit he deserved for being the co-host of the Frosty Podcast. And so my breaking news is the Frosty Podcast is being renamed. In the very near future, we will unveil the new logo. But I will unveil the name now. The Frosty and Perenni Podcast. To give Tony his true place as co-host of the best damn fantasy football podcast you will ever hear. So congratulations, Tony. Welcome officially to the team. Thank you. Thank you. I did not see that coming. And uh, I guess guess I need to put both feet in at this point uh, and stop, stop straddling the fence on, on the podcast. But uh, I appreciate it. Uh, definitely, definitely the amount of work you put in is, is uh, much more than I do with all the editing and everything. But it's been a ton of fun to come on here. And while uh, this wasn't quite as fun as the breaking news would have been if you were getting a boat, um, as, I, as I was hoping, uh, this is still uh, pr- pretty awesome stuff, and I appreciate it, Derek. Yeah, not as cool as a boat. Um, Never as know. cool as a boat. <laughs> so, yeah, so we will have a new logo unveiling very soon. Uh, I haven't made it yet. You know, we don't have a team of people that do graphic design. It's mostly just me on PowerPoint. So that will be coming in the near future, but I wanted to drop that new name, the Frosty and Perenni Podcast. It will still be available everywhere you get podcasts. It's super easy. We just change the name, uh, and it should download right to your phone like it does now. So that ends all of our breaking news. Now we're going to get into some football action. And, Tony, let's talk about the draft because I wasn't there for it, and I haven't looked it up, like, at all. So I'm fully relying on you. To tell us what happened on draft night. Well, uh, a, a bunch of people got together at B-dubs if you lived in Northeast Ohio. And uh, a lot of other people got on the computers, uh, which they have grown accustomed to in the year 2020. Of uh, Just logging on the computer from wherever they are. And they drafted teams full of people. And now we're going to sit here on this podcast <laughs> and rip them uh, for all their bad decisions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, a, pretty much a Cliff Notes version of what happened. Um, you know, we, we all had a blast at B-dubs as we did last year. I think um, the table setup was even better this time, and we were probably, uh, when we got there, we were probably 50% of the, the population there, and by the time it was over, we were uh, they were kind of closing around us at uh, 9 o'clock. But uh, it was a great time. There was six of us there, and uh, I had, had a lot of wings, a lot of beers, and uh uh, a lot of good times there. Uh, Mike was was present for his very first auction draft, which was really cool to be a part of. Uh, me and Mike had a little bidding war for a kicker at the end uh, with all the money that we had left <laughs> over, which uh, gave some nice comic relief to everybody. And uh, one of one of Mike's welcome to auction drafting moments there. Where uh, I don't think he ever expected to be outbid for his kicker, and uh, I think I think I ended up spending like seven bucks on my kicker. Same same price as my QB. I just had the had the cash left and uh, and did it. So uh, we're looking to rip people. Go ahead and rip me. Kicker for seven bucks. At least I didn't pick like three of them. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm looking through this draft, Tony. I have to tell you, uh, you know, I, was, I was scanning through to see who got the most money, which player had the most money spent on them. And I w- I'm kind of surprised to see that it's Ezekiel Elliott 
from Kalen's team, who's currently still named Prestige Worldwide. Hopefully that name changes soon. But we know Kalen has had some unorthodox drafting in the past, and he's gotten burned on it before with an Odell Beckham Jr. draft that where he gets hurt. And so Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not going to sit here and question his production, but I'm not sure he or anyone is really worth $66 in this draft. Uh, what what was said at the time as Kalen just put up monster money for him? Um, I don't think anybody uh, was too taken aback. It was he was about the third running back thrown out there, I believe. And um, I think over the years we kind of see this trend develop where uh, you kind of expect one person to go for the most overall. I think it's the last two years we've kind of expected that person to be Saquon Barkley. Um, he's been thrown out there very early, which is uh, pretty much expected. And then a lot of people kind of tell themselves, you know, I'm going to go high for this person, but I'm not going to hit X amount. And there's always like a top tier of players uh, that people are after. Um, and once that tier starts getting all run down, which I think is what happened with Zeke here, he was kind of the last of the upper tier running backs. Now, people start getting a little more desperate. So he ends up going up to $66 for him because there were other people uh, throwing in money, chasing him for that amount. So um, I think it's just a matter of scarcity at that level. If you want a tier one running back and all the other ones are off the board because uh, you didn't quite want to hit a certain amount, you're kind of find yourself stuck in this situation at the end with the last one on the board where you either put up the money or you don't get a tier one running back. Yeah, and this is yeah, I'm kind of looking through as you're saying this because you know you you're right, and not that I doubted you, you were there, but I'm seeing numbers that we don't normally see for anybody uh, thrown out. So you know we talk about sixty-six dollars there. I'm seeing Dalvin Cook for sixty-two on Mike Engine Thrones team Bonnie McMurray. Uh, Saquon Barkley goes for fifty-nine. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tony on your team fifty-nine. So we, we rarely see Christian McCaffrey 59. We rarely see these high 50s, low 60s numbers thrown out. And and I we see a lot of them this year. And it was like everybody seems to have kind of gone for broke on their on their running back. Outside of maybe a couple teams here, um, looking at Vince's squad, was able to keep Austin Eckler for 11 um, and really didn't spend too much more Melvin Gordon for 15 uh, really didn't spend too much more on running backs, but those top tier running backs all went for 60 or, or you know, around 60 or higher. You know, it, it, do you think that's a theme that's going to keep going as we go year to year? Cause obviously you're not going to keep anybody for that money. Well, you kind of expect it going in because of the value that running backs tend to have. But if we think back to last year, it was the receivers that were going really high, which we didn't expect remember going on the, on the podcast and talking about our expectations going in thinking, you know, Saquon Barkley might go for 70 plus here. And we might have a couple other running backs going for upper sixties and got into it. And really none of those guys ended up hitting uh, upper sixties outside of Saquon. Uh, and you saw a lot of money being spent on guys like Michael Thomas and Devonte Adams at the receiver position instead. Uh, so I would like to go in and say, yeah, you would expect this to happen for running backs every year, but every draft kind of has its own personality to it. And I think a lot of that is just 
the, the players in the league learning from what they did the year before. So um, while they may have uh, may have wanted to go really high on running backs the year before, maybe that running back they went really high on got injured that year and they got burned by it. So they're not going to do it the next year. Uh, so it just kind of has this really cyclical effect to it. Um, so it's really tough to tell as far as what to expect on a year by year basis, but this was definitely the year of the elite running back. Yeah. And I think too, I'm looking at, at rosters here and, and a lot of teams went for depth, which is something we talked about before, you know, with, with COVID at any point, you know, uh, a, a guy like Dalvin cook goes down for, you know, for COVID reasons, and he may be out, you know, a week or two, depending on on when a positive test comes back and when they play, you know, if they have a, a Sunday night, Thursday game, you know, that, that's not very much time. If you show positive on on Saturday, you know, you may, you're probably still going to show positive on Thursday. So the, you have to go for depth this year. And it looks like a lot of teams did. I'm looking at, at the kind of the money that was thrown down. I think that. uh you know, a team like Groover's squad looks really, really deep as far, you know, he's, you know, running back Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Mark Ingram, uh, you know, even you get down to like Tariq Cohen. So the, he has a lot of running backs available, a lot of wide receivers, and, and that seemed to really be the theme this year. You know, how much of a factor did, did that play in your strategy, Tony? As far as uh, building depth into the team? Yeah, yeah. Um, def- definitely to a degree, because uh, I, I know with my a lot of my scouting abilities of, you know, me and Charlie did the draft lead up going into uh, into draft season where we scouted all the college guys. So uh, both him and I are very aware of who a lot of these rookies are. So we don't have to go in and spend quite as much for a lot of the upper tier guys that we normally would have to. Um, so that enables me to kind of, uh, look past a lot of guys. You have to spend a lot of top tier money on and be able to build the roster with some lower tier guys. But, uh, you know, everybody has their own strategy to it. Uh, Steve does a lot of, a lot of fantasy football. So he, uh, he kind of has a really good feel for how he wants to build his team at any given time. Um, and so he knows kind of which players he wants to go high for, which ones he kind of wants to hang back on and build depth rather. Um, so it just comes down to uh, which, what player uh, decides to do what with their strategy. Um, it was very clear that that was Steve's strategy, and I think there's some others in the league that that was pretty clear that was their strategy as well. So, Tony, who do you think walked away as winner of the 2020 draft? Uh, well, if you look at the uh, projections on the app, I believe yours truly is up at the top. But I, I, I don't think I'd walked out of that draft thinking that I had the best draft. Um, I, I think Vince had another really, really strong one. He got a lot of the players he was after hard. Um, I think um, just looking through here real quick. And uh, sorry if I'm getting a little choppy here. I'm also auction drafting at the same time right now for another one of Charlie's leagues right now. So I'm multitasking. I didn't know you were auction drafting. It is an auction draft. <laughs> it was draft. a snake yes. draft. <laughs> nope. Nope. We are really testing my uh, my multitasking <laughs> abilities here. Uh, Steve obviously came out with a really good one. I thought Caitlin had a really nice draft. Uh, this time around uh, loaded himself up with three really top tier running backs. If those guys stay healthy, uh, he's going to be in really good shape uh, 
moving forward this year and probably won't find himself in ACT territory the way he did last year. Um, and I think Mike uh, Engine Throne had a pretty strong draft for a first-time drafter. He, we look at the, the week one matchups. He has the highest projected point total in there. Uh, got himself Deshaun Watson, got himself Dalvin Cook, had Tyreek Hill as a keeper. Just built a really strong roster uh, all the way around. Um, I think it's something that he can definitely uh, be proud of going in, and I, I think he set himself up pretty well to hopefully not find himself at a party later in the year. Uh <laughs> logging into an ACT exam. Yeah, I, I don't, as I'm looking through, I don't think anybody really ran away with this draft, and I don't think anybody really shit the bed on this draft. Um, I, I, it looks it looks a lot more even, and it's not surprising coming into now multiple years of the auction-style draft. You know, we, we've, through the process of kind of, of losing people throughout, you know, the, Everybody's getting a little bit better. Those who are coming in are generally going to be pretty good. You know, I think Vince was a, was a shock to everyone having not a ton of football knowledge and not really any auction draft experience. You know, obviously last year, I would say he won the draft last year and then obviously won the league. Um, so seeing Mike come in and, and really hold his own in this draft, obviously time will tell here, but um, it, it looks a lot more even than it has in the past uh, from my perspective looking at the draft. So, you know, definitely uh, some some great things to look forward to. But now, Tony, I think it's time that we break down some of these team names because they are some of these are, are really phenomenal and others haven't been changed yet. And we're going to ridicule those people. Well, I think just looking at the discord right now, Tim's already on it. Uh, seems like right about when our podcast was beginning, he was getting on the horn and getting after the people that uh, haven't changed yet, seeing as. You know, we're we're now officially under 24 hours from kickoff of the NFL season. So uh, people need to uh, need to get on it here. And uh, Tim has already jumped on there as our enforcer. Yeah. So I'll say, you know, we're recording this uh, on Wednesday night. And so if, if some of these names are changed by the time it comes out, you know, that is what it is. You know, if, if you get ridiculed, you should have had it done before we started recording. So, uh, Tony, we'll start with you. And uh, I'm a fan of this one, Tony. Pretoria FC. Uh, so obviously from Family Guy, Pretoria being the the country that the Griffin family establishes when they find out that their uh, their address in Quahog does not exist on the map, and they develop their own their own country. And so the the football club from Pretoria is uh, you know what what was your thought behind Picking that as your name. I was stuck between a, a couple different names from a couple different shows. Really felt like I, I I wanted to kind of go with the How I Met Your Mother reference. It's one of my favorite shows out there, and I wanted to make sure that it was going to be represented. But um, once I saw that flag, that Pretoria flag, I just knew that that had to be the one for me. It was just a perfect uh, league logo. Uh, not quite as perfect as the strobe effect uh, that Tyler Kerr had last year. Um, but you know, they, they don't make logos like that every single year. So I found one that worked for me and I think it, uh, really haven't looked back since I, I really, really pleased with how it came out. Yeah. You know, and I think too, you, you gotta be careful following in, in Tyler Kerr's footsteps with any of it, because you know, Tyler Kerr ended up taking the ACT did a great, did a great job on it, 
but he ended up taking the ACT. So he's not an example to follow when it comes to when it comes to logos. You know, maybe that strobe effect is what made him have all those terrible decisions throughout the year. So I'm with you. I think your your logo is perfect. Your name is excellent. The Family Guy reference is phenomenal. Next one I want to go to here is Mike Engine Throne. The new guy goes with Bonnie McMurray, which is a great reference to one of my favorites, the Canadian show Letter Kenny. Uh, Bonnie McMurray being a a kind of a, a continuous character that comes around, not part of the main cast but definitely has a great place there. So love the letter Kenny reference. If you're going to pick a letter Kenny reference, Bonnie McMurray, maybe not the strongest of them, but uh, definitely a nice nod to a great show. All right. Thanks for your hold on that one. Tony. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> the next one I want to talk about here is actually, I think my favorite name from this group. And it's Kevin Hulick's name, Jump the Chark. So obviously in reference to DJ Chark, but Jump the Shark is a great sitcom reference. Initially going back to, I believe it was Happy Days, when the Fonz jumps a shark. But it became more of a reference to when a sitcom or TV show, for that matter, does something very gimmicky that rarely works. Uh, it's called Jumping the Shark. So, you know, not not necessarily a reference to a particular show, unless he was specifically referencing the Happy Days, um, the, the, you know, the Happy Days uh, gimmick there. But looking at a more global global phrase, I really, really like it. I love the adding in the DJ Shark part of it. I think it's phenomenal. So Kevin's going to win my best name in the league. Next, if we look at Charlie Thurber. Going with the Blue Cat Lodge uh, from Ozark, the show Ozark. I am not familiar with Ozark, so I had to look it up. But um, I know I know very popular on Netflix. So Charlie going with Blue Cat Lodge. Tim Taft going old school, not going with one of these newer sitcoms. He's going in the Wayback Machine with Chris Hogan's Heroes. Uh, I grew up on Hogan's Heroes. My dad's a big fan of the show. We were actually just watching it this weekend. We were up at Geneva. So uh, Hogan's Heroes, a phenomenal show. Uh, it's, it's on you know some of the, the older TV lands and whatnot. Uh, going with Chris Hogan's Hero. Love it. Vince Provenzale going with the Office reference, but a cringy Office reference for those who, have, who are familiar with it. His team name, Scott's Tots. So I know that brings up a lot of emotion when you talk to Office fans because that show was especially cringy, that episode. But, uh, yeah, Vince going to defend his title under the team name of Scott's Tots. Tyler Kerr trying to change momentum, going with Saved by LaBelle. A Le'Veon Bell reference there, going with Saved by the Bell. I was never a fan, but recognize its importance in all of TV shows. The last one, I think, as I scroll through that we haven't talked about here, is Steve Groover's Fresh Prince of Hilaire, which would have been a great reference if he had the player, but he doesn't. So it's one of those, like, well, you probably should change your name, Steve. But, you know... 
Steve's kind of dumb. So you win some, you lose some. Uh, Steve loses at this point with Fresh Prince of Hilaire. Dave Pestian's super sack, uh, along with Kalen King's prestige worldwide, sticking so far with the same names as last year. Like Tony said, you know, Tim has already been on them. Kalen King in the Discord app responds with, shoot, sitcoms, right? So Kalen, I think, is on the same page as Tony and I were prior to recording this podcast. Kind of forgot it was football season and that, you know, he has a team to coach. Dave coming in very confidently, Tony, with, oh, don't you worry. So we expect big things out of Dave Peschen's squad when it comes to team name. What a drag 2020 has been, am I right? If you're anything like me, you've got to be itching to get yourself out of the house at this point. But you probably don't know where to take yourself. So why not engage in nature a bit with you and the family and come on out to Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park in Wynwood, Oklahoma? Founder and head zookeeper Joe Exotic and his two teenage husbands have molded this park into the, the premier exotic animal showcase in all the states, featuring over 100 tigers, which has led to the dawning of Joe's nickname as the Tiger King. You can rest assured that all social distancing measures will be taken and that your family is in great hands with the stellar group of below minimum wage staff that call the park home. I bet you wouldn't feel so safe at that bitch Carol Baskin's Tiger Park in Florida. Tell the staff at the gate that you heard about them on the Frosty Podcast to receive a commemorative Joe Exotic Country album and a huge discount on the Tiger Cub Petting Experience. This brings the price down to a very reasonable $250 for five pats on the head. And that's just a few of the many fun times you'll find at Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park. But you know what you won't find? Carol Baskin's husband. Because ain't nobody seen him in years. What'd you do with him, Carol? Beat him to your tigers? But I'm off topic. That's Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park. Here, kitty, kitty. Tony, I I think at this point, nothing to it but to do it, my friend. We're going to jump into the segment where we're going to pick the the winners. And we're going to call this segment, Tony, to pull in your your favorite show, How I Met Your Mother. We're going to call this segment... The conference call. Absolutely love it. And I think it's a perfect name for us to follow from the forecast last year. The conference call, that was the uh, the term that uh, Barney and Marshall used when they worked at Goliath National Bank to uh, uh, go up on the roof and drink beers uh, during work hours. They would call it a conference call. And I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect lead in for our prediction segment for this year. Um, give me a second here as I look up these matchups, because as has been previously mentioned, I have no idea who's playing anybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so while Tony's doing that, I'll say we're going a little bit of a different direction this year. Uh, you know, last year it was, I think very, we, we were a little more in the weeds with a lot of the football stuff. And, you know, we, we listen to our listeners. We want to make this show better for you. Uh, as well as better for us. So we're going to go a couple different directions. And uh, so you, we may not have quite as many guest pickers on this year. We will still have some. We're not getting rid of it completely. Uh, but some of the, the feedback from our listeners was that, that 
that you know it, it, it could be really good or really not good kind of depending on who was picking so for some of these it's just going to be tony and i for some of them we will have some guests we'll have our coaches on throughout too because it is it is a lot of fun a lot of it is just logistics as well because it's it's difficult to balance you know if you have tony and i plus a coach plus you know like dave doing his act stuff plus a uh you know somebody who's doing the guest picking you know that's five people's schedules we were working around and so it, it became a little bit tough so we're still going to do a lot of these things uh but it may not be quite as uh as routine as as frequent but you will always have hopefully tony and i uh on here to pick these games so hopefully tony that was enough time for you to pick up where you left off and get ready to call some of these these games uh, it actually wasn't. I mean, I'm in the process of bidding for Chris Godwin right now and uh, haven't taken my eyes off of it. Uh, but as All soon right. as that ends, if you could go ahead and uh, do your picks first <laughs> on the first game. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Tony, the first one, we'll go with your team since you're not going to pick it. Uh, Got but it. We have... <laughs> how much you go? How much you put up for him? 55. The, the dollar values in this in this league for Charlie, there's a 16 teams first off. OK, so. Uh, a lot more teams, so a lot more money getting thrown around. I think the highest I've seen so far is Christian McCaffrey went for 78, uh, even though ESPN had him projected for go for like 93. So wow. I, I guess given where they have these amounts at here, people are going for discounts. But compared to our league, I'd, I'd depend $52 on Kenyon Drake as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm starting with a roster of nothing where a lot of these guys have have keepers, so I kind of have to be a little more aggressive building the squad. So uh, got myself Godwin, and I'm ready to look at the scoreboard and uh, start picking some games. All right, well, we'll still start with yours. Uh, so Tony Peretti's Pretoria FC going up against Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge. Tony's projected to win this one 129.9 to 107.8. And, you know, looking at these these matchups here, there's a lot of green check marks next to Tony's players. You know, he comes in strong with Lamar Jackson at number one. He's projected for 22 points. And also Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who, you know, Groover, your name references this guy. He's not on your team. is projected for 15.3 uh, in the running back slot. Going up against Charlie here, who grabbed Cam Newton for New England. It's going to be weird to see Cam in a New England Patriot outfit, uh, her uniform, if you will. Uh, but also Mike Evans, who who should have a big game, Michael Thomas. So it's really going to be, you know, that that re- wide receiver heavy team for Charlie going up against Tony's team, who's just a little more balanced overall. But definitely ESPN's projecting a wide score here. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to pick Tony over Charlie. Uh, Tony, any comments on this game? Uh, it's a big one. Need to start the year off one and zero here, and uh, been in, been in conversation with Charlie pretty much all off season going over fantasy stuff. So we're very familiar with uh, the players that uh, each other likes. Um, I, I think with uh, Charlie's situation, he's kind of got hit hard in the last week or so here. You know, he's he spent a lot of money in keepers going into this. He only had eighty dollars to spend at the draft between uh, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans and uh, Marquise Brown, who he kept. So he kind of had to go the discount route at running back, went with some youngsters, went with DeAndre Swift uh, from Detroit, 
as RB1 and went with Ronald Jones from Tampa as RB2. And in the past week, um, it's it's been well publicized. Adrian Peterson got released from the Washington football team and ends up getting signed by Detroit. That's going to cut into Swift's workload. And then Leonard Fournette gets cut uh, from Jacksonville and ends up in Tampa Bay. And that's going to cut into Ronald Jones workload. So he kind of finds himself in a conundrum at running back where he had some uh, younger guys that he was really looking forward to plugging in there. And uh, he might not be able to rely on the volume that he was initially expecting. So going to be interesting to see how that team comes through for him in week one. But I think the guys that he has there, you know, depending on game script, they could still go off for him. There's still a possibility. So uh, definitely a formidable foe for me, uh, even if the projections don't say so. Moving on here, Kalen King's prestige worldwide going up against Groover's Fresh Prince of Hilaire. This game is projected to be a lot closer than your game here, but Kalen is projected with the advantage of 128.4 to 125. But we see uh, some some major points for Ezekiel Elliott at 20.5. That's projected to be your top point getter for Kalen's team. Travis Kelsey coming in at 17. Josh Jacobs running back 18.2. Looking over at Groover's team, Dak Prescott, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley should be getting some big points there at 19.2. Uh, and then who else we have here? Hunter Henry, Vikings defense projected at 6.5. So a tight game here. I, I think I think Groover's squad is going to come through. Saquon Barkley, you know, the Giants took a lot of heat last year. They're going to be going up against that Pittsburgh defense, which is generally pretty good year in and year out. Uh, So I think Saquon's going to outperform that 19.2. I think the Vikings going up against Green Bay, that's a a big rivalry there. There's been a, a little less smoke coming out of Green Bay than there was this time last year, but after last year's season, Green Bay did, just didn't seem to really be firing on all cylinders. I think that continues through this year. So I'm going to give the nod to the Vikings defense, which gives the nod to Team Groover, Fresh Prince of Hilaire. Uh, I think he's going to upset Kalen King's prestige worldwide or team to be named later. Tony, where are you on this one? Well, as much as it pains me to reward a team that we're right now referring to as team to be named later, um, I'm just looking at some of these matchups here uh, that Kalen has. Um, You know, Zeke going against the Rams, I think that's a pretty good matchup for him, and I think that could really uh, cannibalize some of the points for Dak, who who Steve has over there. I I think – this could very well. A lot of these teams, I think I could see them leaning on the running game pretty hard at the beginning of the season, just because the timing and the passing games uh, through training camps just might not be there. So I think that helps Kalen here. Uh, Josh Jacobs against the Panthers who are just loaded uh, with rookies on that side of the ball who haven't even had a preseason game yet to see the speed at which NFL games go. I think that's going to hurt Travis Kelsey going up against Houston in tomorrow's uh, NFL opener. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game with uh, two teams 
that uh, know each other pretty well and are pretty used to putting up points against each other. I just think there's so many good matchups in Kalen's favor. I think he can get off on the right foot here and take down uh, the juggernaut that has been Steve. Moving on to our next one here, Tyler Kerr's saved by LaBelle projected 105.8 against Mike engine thrones, Bonnie McMurray and Tony, you said it earlier, Mike is projected with the highest point total for this, this week at that 130.2 number. And I see why Deshaun Watson projected for 21.9 against Kansas city. You know, you, you brought it up that, that, you think it's going to be a, a lot of points scored? I would agree with you. Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, going up against Green Bay. I think that's going to be a fairly good matchup. Uh, Tyreek Hill going up against Houston. Again, if if uh, if Pat Mahomes has a good game against Houston, then Tyreek Hill will also, and we expect he will. Uh, and then looking at T.Y. Hilton. Now with Philip Rivers throwing to him. So we're going to see how that goes. And I think a lot of this matchup is going to hinge a little bit on T.Y. Hilton. But on the other side, I just don't think Tyler Kerr has enough in his roster to really do a whole lot here. David Johnson's kind of a bright spot there at 14.9. The only matchup he's projected to win is the RB2 matchup where he has Le'Veon Bell. Uh, versus Buffalo uh, projected for 13.2 compared to Jonathan Taylor going up against Jacksonville, 10.7. That is the only single matchup that Tyler's projected to win. And I, I, I think that's about what we're going to see. Uh, the interesting piece here is what Tampa Bay can do. So he has Rob Gronkowski going up against new Orleans and Leonard Fournette against new Orleans. So if, if Tom Brady has one of these amazing games, and if they use Leonard Fournette, then I think both of those guys can increase their score enough to make this a game. But he's going to have to have probably multiple players on his team way outperform projections and multiple players on Mike's team underperform projections to even have a shot at this. So I think that the blowout holds. I think it's going to be Mike Engine Thrones, Bonnie McMurray winning big here, and I think Mike's going to be your leading scorer of the week. Well, this is about as lopsided as I've seen the green check marks in a while here uh, going into this matchup. Um, the only place that Ty seems to have that uh, that advantage, as you mentioned, is that RB2 spot with Le'Veon Bell, uh, who his team was named after. But, you know, Lev Bell has been arguing with Coach Adam Gase pretty much all offseason, and it really remains to be seen how he's even going to be used. Uh, if you look at Mike's team, uh, Watson gets to face that Chiefs defense, who uh, they put up 31 points on twice last season. Uh, Dalvin Cook going up, uh, going up against the Green Bay defense, who – just got completely obliterated by the 49ers run game in the playoffs last year uh, to the point where Jimmy G only had to throw the ball about seven times the entire game. Um, that doesn't bode real well for them there. They're going to need to be a little more stout. Uh, Mark Andrews going against the Browns. The Browns have not been able to cover tight ends for years, and now they have the youngest linebacking crew in the NFL, uh, which doesn't bode real well for that matchup. So, I think it's just too much power for Mike here. His inaugural game in the league, I think he leaves with a W. Moving on here, defending champion Vince 
Gorgonzola's Scott's Tots going up against Tim Taft's Chris Hogan's Heroes. This game's projected to be fairly close, 131.5 to 123.2. You know, something we didn't talk about when we talked about the draft is Vince's gamble of Patrick Mahomes. You know, he had a shot to keep Patrick Mahomes for, I want to say it was like 28, and he ended up drafting him for 24. So that that gamble pays off. Pat Mahomes, as we know, signed a monster deal in the offseason. So he's going to be looking to, you know, really prove that that he deserved that. Going up against Houston, he's projected for 23.3 points. Uh, following up with Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, they're supposed to have good games. Adam Thielen, a good game. George Kittle. Vince's team is well stacked. Not one player is way over projected, but everybody's pretty much in the teens. So we we, we expect that Vince will have a, a pretty good game here. Uh, and that 131 number is probably about right. If we look on the other side, you know, Tim's whole strategy is to go for kind of lesser names with big production. And we do see that. So he has, you know, Josh Allen in there at quarterback who's projected 19.9 going up against the New York Jets. I think he can he can manage that score. I think he can outscore that. Aaron Jones, 15.3. Todd Gurley, 15.5. Now in the Atlanta Falcons uniform. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going to have Big Ben throwing to him again, 14.6. So I, I think there's some some real bright spots here for Tim's team, and I think it's enough to outperform Vince Gorgonzola's you know ring ring getting ceremony as we go into this first game of the season. He's going to be defending that title, giant target on his back, and I think Tim is going to sneak up from behind and overtake it, I project Tim Taft, Chris Hogan's heroes, to win this game. Tony? Did not expect that one coming. Uh, Looking at this matchup, there's a lot of green check marks in the favor of Vince's team here. Uh, Mahomes could put up a lot of points tomorrow night against Houston. Again, uh, Eckler gets that Bengals defense, uh, which uh, is not very stout. Um, and you look at George Kittle facing Arizona, that's going to test rookie Isaiah Simmons very quickly. And he doesn't have any game action yet at actually covering players like that. Um, but do like some of the matchups over there in Tim's favor. Aaron Jones, who was on my squad last year, uh, going up against Minnesota. Um, he, he fared very well against the Vikings run defense last year. Um, and they're a little banged up on that defensive line right now and didn't really add a whole lot. They added uh, Yannick Ngakwe on the edge as an edge rusher, but he's not really stout against the run. So uh, not expecting a whole lot there as far as he goes. Uh, Gurley going up against Seattle in his first game in a Falcons jersey. Um, not really sure what to expect there. Uh, could be good, could be bad. Uh, Juju finally gets Ben back going up against the Giants. That could be a very good matchup. Jarvis Landry against the Ravens. We don't know what to expect with the Browns offense at all. Um, he has managed to have some pretty good games against Baltimore in the past. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of ifs on Tim's team, and I feel like there's a lot more that you can count on on Vince's team. So I think the defending champ starts off the season on the right foot and uh, gets the win over Chris Hogan's heroes. You know, Tony, I find myself guessing a lot more 
uh, you know, obviously with no preseason coming in, you know, th- these guys haven't seen game action since, you know, January or, or for some of these guys, it's, it's their first game action, uh, you know, in the NFL. So I, I just, I'm finding these games so difficult to pick from. And, and, you know, I'm wondering if we're going to see, you know, teams who were in the playoffs last year who have played together a little bit more recently. And obviously as playoff teams, they're playing at a higher level. It seemed there was seems like there was less movement in free agency this year than usual. I think there were more big names that moved, but a lot of them at the end of their careers. So maybe a little less notable. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm finding these games just incredibly difficult to pick. Not just you, Derek, but you're, if you talk to or, or listen to a lot of the analysts out there or just talk to people in general, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty going into the season. Uh, specifically, you know, here in Cleveland is an obvious one. You have a brand new coaching staff that I think everyone pretty much unanimously thinks is a huge upgrade over Freddie Kitchen's staff. But they really get no offseason at all to work with uh, this team at all. So new offense, new defense, and they pretty much. Uh, have to put it all together week one against the defending division champs. And I think you're going to find early in the season, just my projections, um, the teams that have a lot of guys coming back, I think are going to be a little more apt to have their timing down and probably going to lead to a little more scoring from a fantasy standpoint. Um, one thing to look out for, and I've been doing a, a lot of uh, betting research uh, going into week one here, looking at a lot of the lines and looking at a lot of the over-unders. Um, something to note is that these teams have done so little tackling in training camp this year. They've only had 14 padded practices. That's all of them. Um, you could expect there's going to be some really sloppy tackling for probably the first month of the season. And I think that could cause uh, a lot of these fantasy numbers to spike early on, which might be counterintuitive to what a lot of people are expecting. Cause I know uh, a lot of people have their eyes on there being a lot of sloppy offensive football coming up, but that might be negated a bit by some of the tackling. So uh, I'm with you that, you know, it's really, really tough to project. That's why some of these games like tomorrow night's chiefs Texans game, you know, you have a, a little better idea of what to expect in that game because Coaching staffs are the same. Coming back, most of the core players are the same. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins with Houston, but you know the quarterbacks are still there. Uh, they didn't have any trouble moving the ball on each other last year. So uh, you look at some of these teams, they typically start the season strong. Uh, but some other ones where things are so much different, you really have no idea what to expect going in. Now, Tony, you know, I know you have the a lot more experience at the higher levels of football. I don't I don't exactly understand why why we're going to see more sloppy tackling because I feel like and uh, I guess I'm bringing up more of a question than disagreeing with you because like I would think that you know tackling for the most part has been the same from whenever these guys started playing whether it was in peewees or middle school what have you um going up through you know tackling to a certain extent is tackling so what what has been your experience from the coaching side as far as you know these early practices and all of that with tackling is it is it just a, the the guys aren't in the in the routine of tackling is it that you know they haven't had those like early season big hits to get more comfortable with it because I'm kind of surprised 
when people say that, and you're not the only one who said it, which is why, like I said, I'm not disagreeing with the with the analysis. I just don't understand it. No, you have it exactly right there. It's just it's a routine thing, and they, they, these guys, while while the mechanics of tackling haven't haven't changed so much, it's something that you kind of need to regularly do in order to not get lazy with your technique because. Uh, I, I think a lot of us have have played football before, and you know how easy it is to get into some lazy technique on, with your tackling because you know it, it's easier to go in and not put your chest on somebody. It's easier to go in and dive at ankles or something um, when you're not kind of in rhythm of of going through those mechanics all the time. So it's not so much of uh, yeah, those mechanics haven't changed, but if you're not regularly using them. Uh, there is some rust involved there. And um, if you look at some of these teams, you know, I look at uh, the Denver Broncos. They're going to be facing Tennessee on Monday night football to start the season. You know, they haven't been tackling a whole lot. Vaughn Miller just went down for the season. Uh, and week one, you have 250 pound Derrick Henry coming at you and you don't have many live tackling reps under your belt. You know, that is a huge difference from, being in practice and probably just butting up your, your running backs and just, uh, you know, hitting them real quick and letting them go because you're not taking them to the ground to the point where you have to take uh, this grown man down to the ground 25 times in a game. It's, it's going to be a major, major factor, I think. And not so much, not even so much with, with the big guys, but a lot of the speed guys on the outside, you know, can you imagine having to tackle uh, Tyreek Hill, when your body's not used to getting yourself in proper tackling uh, form and you're really not in the, in the type of condition you normally are come week one because you haven't had any game reps because nothing really gets you into game shape like uh, playing in games. So your conditioning is going to be off a little bit. Or if you're uh, the Browns and you have to chase Lamar Jackson around the field week one, you know, it's, it's going to lead to some really poor habits. And I think stuff that is probably going to take uh, three or four games to really get worked out. Um, you know, there's, there's teams in this league that are much better tacklers than others, and that's pretty routine. But I think this year overall, because of how few reps you've had out there, uh, it, it's, it's no different than uh, a pitcher uh, going into training camp and having not thrown too much or, or in spring training, having not thrown too much or a batter hasn't faced any live pitches in a while. It's not like the muscle memory doesn't forget it, but you do need the reps a little bit. So, Tony, that's why we keep you around. That's how you get your name on a podcast, Tony. Like exactly. Next level analysis. Exactly. You see that kids <laughs> stay in school. Going in to our sacred heart game of the week. We have Kevin Hulick's Jump the Chark projected at 125.7 going up against Dave's team to be named later. Currently, Super Sack 124. This is our closest projection of the week, Tony. Only a 1.7 point difference. And we see some very, very interesting matchups coming in. We have Russell Wilson going up against that Atlanta defense projected 19.8. Derrick Henry going up that against that Denver defense, which you just talked about, 17 points he's projected. Uh, Zach Ertz from Philly going up against Washington, projected 13.1. Edelman now with Cam Newton throwing to him, so a whole different dynamic there, projected 13.1. On the other side, 
We see Drew Brees projected 17.5, Chris Carson, 14.8, Christian McCaffrey, 24.6, Julio Jones, 16.4, DeAndre Hopkins, now in that Arizona uniform with Kyler Murray throwing to him, projected a 15.8. And I think the, the DeAndre Hopkins piece is going to be the most interesting matchup in this overall matchup because of the Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins dynamic. Uh, like, like we've talked about, they haven't had a whole lot of time to work together. Although offense, you know, the, the throwing the quarterback to the receiver is probably one of the things that's been able to be practiced the most, but the, those two guys, uh, if they can, can can work together well and create that dynamic quickly. I think that may be enough to send Dave Peschen super sack over Kevin Hewlett's jump the chart. To me, Tony, this is an absolute toss up. So I'm going to take an easy way out and go by the team name because I hate the fact that Dave hasn't changed it. I think Russell Wilson is going to come out strong. I think Derek Henry, we're going to see a repeat of last year. I think he's going to run all over everybody. I think jump the chark wins it. It's going to be a close one, but Kevin Hewlett comes out victorious. Tony, who are you picking in our game of the week? Well, I'm with you. This is a tough one to project here. Looking at the, at these teams, uh, both guys were at B dubs that night. And uh, I think both guys walked away with pretty good drafts. We were kind of giving Kevin shit. Most of the night he came, came there with a, a post-it note uh, with a list of players that he, he had ID the young guys that he was looking to, to add to the squad. So we, uh, we kind of made our inside joke for the rest of the night of players being on our list. Uh, and he had, had to keep rubbing it in on, on him. But uh, at the end of the day, he drafted another really nice team. You know, he, he came out of last year's draft uh, thinking that he, we, we thought he might've had the worst draft. And then he ends up putting way, put on way more points than anybody else in the league uh, and getting himself to, uh, to the championship game. So I think he has a strong roster again. And uh, Dave went with his tried and true method. He's going stars and scrubs when he goes to the draft and he ends up with a very uh, star laden lineup there. He's got Christian McCaffrey back. He drafts Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins keeps Chris Carson has drew Brees out there at, at signal caller. Um, who's always been a pretty solid contributor to the fantasy stat line, particularly early in the season. Um, this one's going to be really close. You know, I've already referenced Derrick Henry going up against that Denver defense who hasn't been tackling. That could get really ugly for Denver really fast. Um, Tennessee kind of finds themselves in a similar spot to they did to where they did last year going up against the Browns week one, where they really weren't getting any respect going up against one of the, the hot teams of the off season. I think they find themselves in that exact same spot this year going into Denver um, and could really ruin uh, the the first game for Drew Locke and company there. And you have Russell Wilson going up against Atlanta. Uh, Seahawks have been one of the best road teams in the NFL over the last couple of years. And the, the Falcons really not too stout defensively. I, I expect uh, even not no green check mark there because he's going up against Christian McCaffrey on here, but um, looking at James Conner and Pittsburgh going up against the Giants, uh, on the road, Pittsburgh tends to really lean on the run when they go on the road. So uh, Connor, who is finally healthy, I think that could be a big game for him. Um, looking on the other side, though, uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, 
going up against the Raiders defense. That could be a lot of points there, particularly if they fall behind, uh, which I expect that they probably will. They're going to be throwing quite a bit, and that's going to mean a lot of receptions for McCaffrey. But looking at the rest of the lineup, I think there's still a lot of ifs there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as you mentioned, probably not going to have a whole lot of timing down with Kyler yet, and he gets covered by Richard Sherman week one, uh, which could hurt him a little bit. And that's going to be a really good matchup to watch. But I think at the end of the day, there's just too much firepower on Kevin's teams, and I like some of the matchups on that side a little better. Uh, so I'm going to go jump the shark. Um, as you're talking, I'm looking at Dave. You talk about stars and scrubs. You know, if Dave runs into a situation where Chris Carson or Christian McCaffrey aren't able to suit up, his bench running backs are Tevin Coleman projected at 8.4 and Tony Pollard projected at five points. He didn't handcuff any of these of his running backs. So he's really going to be screwed here. If any of his running backs go down, he has nobody reasonable to take their place. Uh, so Dave going all in on the stars and he is hoping and praying for no injuries and no COVID. But he did get Matthew Stafford. He did 16.1 points. <laughs> he got his guy. He got his guy at the end of the day. This is really uncharted territory for Dave. He finds himself in this spot most years. So he really has to rely on his guy staying healthy or else he's going to be uh, in bad shape. You know, last year he started out the season really slow. I don't remember a lot of that being injury driven. I think uh, a lot of that had to do with the matchups he was getting. But for the most part, his team stayed pretty healthy. So he needs that to happen again for him. And if they do, he's going to be right there in the thick of things at the end of the day with the type of uh, star power he's got on the team. And that'll do it for our conference call. Tony, it feels good to be back in the swing of things. Next week, we're going to be breaking down those matchups, uh, figuring out where we were right, where we were wrong, and we're going to be digging into week two. Guys, today's Wednesday. Uh, this this podcast probably coming out Thursday or probably more like Friday. So Thursday night game is already in. We are in the NFL season, believe it or not. And I wish you all a wonderful week one. For Tony Perini. I'm Derek Frost. This is the Frosty and Perenni podcast. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and as always, Podbean. We'll catch you next week. Vince sent us out with that amazing theme song.